The following program contains graphic material, including offensive language. Viewer discretion is advised. She's got the news. She talks with newsmakers. She encourages us to laugh, and she cries with us. Speaking truth to power and questioning authority daily, it's the Nicole Sandler Show. It is, and welcome, welcome, welcome to a Wednesday. I don't know how it's only Wednesday, but it is. It's just one more indication that we are firmly entrenched in opposite world. Everything you thought you knew, you never knew at all. Sideways is straight ahead. Facts no longer matter. Reality is now fiction. There's a signpost up ahead. Your next stop, Opposite World. Ah, and it would help if I started the YouTube stream again. Hi, YouTubers. Uh, so I began by saying that we're living in Opposite World. Nothing makes sense. Absolutely nothing makes sense. Um... We can begin with Bill Cosby today, released from prison. The Pennsylvania Supreme Court overturned his conviction. Uh, In what world does this make sense? And you want to know why? Uh, Let me see if I can find the rationale here. Apparently, the old prosecutor, not the, the, the prosecutor who was ultimately on the case when he went to trial, but the the former prosecutor allegedly wait did i write it down here let me see if i if i have it here uh, again because it just makes no sense um no uh, of course i didn't uh okay uh sentence over okay um the supreme court decision on bill cosby previous prosecutors made an agreement with cosby not to prosecute him if he testified in a civil court deposition Then they used his testimony against him and prosecuted him. So depending on who you're reading, it was either justified or it wasn't because there was no deal in writing. Um, And apparently this prosecutor is the guy who went on to be the lead attorney representing Donald Trump in his second impeachment. He was the guy who had no clue what the hell he was doing opposite world because these are the people these know-nothings these idiots who come out on top and bill cosby is now walking free a serial rapist somebody who would drug women who came to him for career help uh, because he was supposed to be some great uh, philanthropist of of sorts i suppose yeah i know what he was good at raping women yeah, drugging them and raping them. And now he's out of jail. Incredible. But that's not all. I mean, it's a day, you know, so the Senate, uh, the Senate, the Senate is on recess. The House today voted for to, to the creation of a, um, a House Select Committee to investigate what happened on January 6th. The reason they had to do a House um, uh, Select Committee is because the Republicans, uh, in, in, you know, wouldn't go along with the idea of a, an independent bipartisan commission, a la the 9-11 commission, of people outside of Congress to do this investigation. And then, further, if you go through their reasons, the <clears throat> rationale, as, as crazy as that sounds, for not um, having this, this uh, um, select committee... 
it goes from bad to worse. Seriously, it 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 is just insanity on every level. So here, I tuned in for the um, uh, the the uh, where our lies. Where where's the other one? Thirty thirty. Shoot, uh, Pelosi. Okay, so um. Here is one of the Republicans. I don't even know who it was because they're they're all interchangeable at this point. A House Republican, I believe from Ohio, who in the debate leading up to the vote explained why he was voting no on on the creation of this House Select Committee. Um, I thought you'd like to hear a little bit of the, the, the shit they're shoveling these days. All right. Take it away. Unnamed ridiculous representative from Ohio. You know, I've heard it mentioned here today, Democrats telling us why we voted against the bill. They didn't ask us. I can tell you really? why I voted okay, against why? the why? bill before. Why? And I think it's known by the other side because I offered an amendment yeah. to this commission that if you're very serious about, curious about the posture, the defense posture of this building, yeah, the posture of those that work in it, Yeah. then would you please include in this commission to investigate and look at the events of June 14th, 2017? Why? At the baseball field. At the baseball field. Okay. You know so, what? You know there weren't what any Democrats there that day. You're right. Except for one. Except for one. Okay. Um, let me cut him off there. We'll get back to it. But that day, it was a practice for the Republican congressional softball team, not baseball, but okay, close enough. And some crazy person went there to shoot up the Republicans. I guess he was a Democrat. This was one person, a lone shooter, a lone gunman who obviously had issues who went there. This was not a widespread conspiracy. This wasn't a crowd of hundreds, if not thousands of supporters of the Democrats who went to kill the Republicans, one thing had nothing to do with the other. So that, okay, that, uh, uh, sorry, this this uh, nonsense excuse for voting against it is just that, nonsense. But keep going, Congressman, keep going. Oh, I guess I need to click on it again. All right. The one that tried to kill us. Yeah, it was a Democrat. Yeah, we got You to. talk about an insurrection. Yes, if not for the Capitol Police being there that day, 20 to 30 members of Congress from the House of Representatives on the Republican side may have been assassinated. Quite possibly. That day, changing the balance of power. Yeah. This was this one place. crazy person. That's an insurrection. No, it isn't, Why actually. Is it the Democrats voted that down. What, to voted what that down? As part of the no. Hold on a second, buddy. Buddy, you, your party, was in control when that happened. I forget what year he said it was, 2015. The Republicans had control of the House. They could have very easily seated a panel, uh, started a commission to investigate what happened, but they didn't because it was pretty cut and dried. It was one fucked up individual who never should have been able to get near a gun. It was no insurrection. It was no, no, no... Um, uh, you know, no, no organized effort on, on behalf of a huge group or groups of people to overthrow the government. It was one sick, 
individual. And again, Congressman, your party was in charge at the time. If you wanted to investigate it, you very easily could have. Next. Next. No one could explain that. It's all got to be about one event. I do not condone for one second what happened here on January 6th. Not for one second. But if you're serious about looking at what we need and what goes on and what inspires people to attack this building and the people who work here, then let's take a look at everything. Yeah. Why aren't we including the event on Good Friday? What? What? When the gentleman drove up and killed a Capitol Police. <laughs> oh, my God. He Again, a car you fucking moron. And pulled a Timothy McVeigh type of an event. Why are we not and looking again, at that as well? Again, it was one person. This was not part of the the coordinated insurrection at the Capitol, where we're now seeing has been had been planned for weeks, if not months, in advance. That the president was involved in. That's the difference, you fucking idiot. You know, I wondered. I thought I saved um, Jim McGovern's. Uh, who's the chair of this committee, his um, his response, but no, I can't seem to find, unless I, nope, I closed it out. Oh, well, but uh, he made some of the same arguments I did. There's no there, there. That's the reason they voted it down, because you wouldn't investigate what the, the lone gunman did at the softball field or the guy who crashed into the barriers killing a Capitol Police officer? You know what I say about that? That that's your reason? That is bullshit. It's just Pure and simple bullshit. All right. Um, I, I think David's on the line. Uh, hold on one second. I muted him so that I could hear what I was doing here. Um, all right. Uh, <laughs> okay. Hi, David. What's on your mind? Hi. So, um, yeah, the guy was talking about defending the Capitol, and that softball game was not on the Capitol. In the Capitol, right? But at any rate, you mentioned the thing about Cosby. Yeah. Um, did you read the reasoning why they let him go? Yeah, because the prosecutor, the first prosecutor, told him that if he testified in a civil case, that that testimony couldn't be used against him. And then right. the, and the other prosecutor, the prosecutor was. Yeah, he was. He, David, you missed the whole beginning Bruce, of the show. The guy who I'm led sorry, the Castor. who led Trump's impeachment defense in the second impeachment trial. Yeah, yeah. I already Bruce said Castor. that. Yeah. The, Hello. The phone cut out. Sorry. Uh, it's sorry. Okay. It's all right. Anything else? <laughs> no, go ahead. Mute me back. Okay, bye. Bye. I, I, he tries to help. I know he tries to help. But when well, I said it already. All right. So, you know, so all that happened. Uh, and other things happened. So they took the vote. The vote, um, every single Republican, except for two, voted against creating this special select committee to investigate the events of January 6th. The two being Liz Cheney and Adam Kinzinger. Go figure. And they're bitching about, they're afraid the Democrats are going to be too partisan? Again, it is the opposite world. Complete and total opposite world. Um, But, you know, opposite world didn't start here. I actually coined that phrase back in the days when George W. Bush was in office because we had another group of prolific liars in the White House. Now, 
Donald Trump took lying to a whole new level, a whole new art form. I mean, he's the master. But Donald Rumsfeld was really... um, uh, he he was uh, he was a pretty good liar too. Um, it, there are two things that I really two things that that stick out to me. Why am I missing all these things? I thought I pulled them all over here. Okay, so um, there are two two. When I think of Donald Rumsfeld, and yeah, he's dead. Good riddance, rest in peace, or whatever you're supposed to say. Uh, we're better off without him, frankly. Donald Rumsfeld. There's two things that I recall when I think of Donald Rumsfeld. The first is what he said when um, I think it was his first time over visiting the troops and a soldier had a few problems with the way things were run in this man's army. And he asked Donald Rumsfeld a question. The question was great. Rumsfeld's answer, well, is a quote that we still use to this day. Remember this? As you know, uh, you go to war with the army you have, uh, not the army you might want or wish to have at a later time. Uh, Since the Iraq conflict began, the all right, that's all you need to know uh, has been. Oh, shut up! You go to the army. You go to war with the army you have, not the army you wish you had. And actually, you're right, Um, uh, Stephen Cohen. In the, in the YouTube chat room, he got that second. His first one was no, no, there are no knowns and there are known unknowns. The, <laughs> really, I, I'd rather forget that. But there's one other event that, um, that I will always remember. And it's what introduced me to uh, a man who's a former CIA officer investigator. He worked for the CIA. And then he went on to be one of the founders of a group called VIPS, Veteran Intelligence Professionals for Sanity. And his name is Ray McGovern. He's been on the show many times over the years. Well, back in, I don't even know what year it was, Donald Rumsfeld did a, uh, made an appearance at some, he was giving a speech and a talk and answering questions at an event in Atlanta. And so Ray McGovern showed up and decided to call Rummy out on one of his biggest lies. And, well, um, I, I, I played this exchange a bunch of times, but I think it bears playing one more time as we send Rumsfeld off to his journey to wherever he goes. Uh, so here we go. Uh, the, the questioner you'll hear is Ray McGovern. And so I would like to, to ask you to be upfront with the American people why did you lie to get us into a war Boom. that was not necessary and that has caused these kinds of casualties? <laughs> Why? Why? Well, first of all, I, I haven't lied. Ugh. I did not lie then. <laughs> well, Colin Powell didn't lie. He spent weeks and weeks with the Central Intelligence Agency people and prepared a presentation that I know he believed was accurate. <laughs> right. And he presented that. Because he was United lied Nations. to, too, I guess, right? The president spent weeks and weeks with the Central Intelligence people. And he went to the American people and made a presentation. And I'm he not too in the lied. intelligence business. Well, that's they obvious. gave the world their honest opinion. <laughs> it appears that 
there were not weapons of mass oh, destruction. Oh, it appears that you there were. You said you knew where they were. Yeah. I did not. I said yes, I you knew did. where suspect sites were. Yeah. And we said, were just You said you knew where they were near Tikrit, uh, near Baghdad, and northeast, south, and you west go of there. Away. Those are your words. Those were your my words. words. My words were that. And they go no, to try no, to no, take them out. Minute, wait a minute. Let them stay one second. Ooh, let them stay. Second. Yeah. This is America, huh? This is America. You're getting plenty of play, sir. I just like an honest answer. I'm giving it to you. We're talking no, about lies and your, your allegation that there was bulletproof evidence of ties between Al-Qaeda and Iraq. Was that a lie Zar or were you misled? Zarqawi was in Baghdad during the pre-war period. That is a fact. No, not really. Zarqawi? He was in the north of Iraq in a place where Saddam Hussein had no rule. He That's was where also, he was. He was also Ooh. in Baghdad. Yeah, when he needed to go to the hospital. Oh. Come on, these people aren't idiots. They yes. know the story. <laughs> you are... <laughs> let, let, me, let me give you an example. Uh -huh. It's easy for you to make a charge. Um, but why do you think that the men and women in uniform, every day when they came out of Kuwait and went into Iraq, put on chemical weapon protective suits oh, because yeah. they liked the, uh, the style. <laughs> they honestly believed that there were chemical because weapons. Because you told them Saddam there were. Saddam used chemical weapons on his own people previously. He'd used them on his neighbor, the Iranians, and they believed he had those weapons. We believed he had those weapons. That's what we call a non sequitur. It doesn't matter what the troops <laughs> right. believe. Think, it matters think, what you believe. It matters what you believe. And then they shut him down. Ray McGovern calling out Donald Rumsfeld. Now that's an American hero. Donald Rumsfeld, good riddance, buddy. May you never darken our doorstep again. Well, he can't because he's dead. So that happened today. Uh, all right. So, yes, I keep saying it's opposite world. It is. On every, in every respect, nothing makes sense. There's other stiff stuff that went on today, too. Um, the news broke that Jim Clyburn is at it again. Now, I've spoken about Jim Clyburn. Um, first of all, he, I believe, is number three in Democratic House leadership. Uh, I, I'm not sure how old he is, um, but however old he is, he acts older. He seems older. James Clyburn. I'm going to say he's in his 80s, but let's just see for sure. Uh, yeah, he's 80 years old. Born... Well, he's almost 81. He'll be 81 in three weeks. Uh, he is the number three. as the ho He's the House Majority Whip, has been for a few years now. And as such, he decided that he didn't like the way the primary was going. He didn't like the fact that Bernie Sanders was actually doing so well. So he orchestrated a coup of sorts and got everyone to drop out on the eve of Super Tuesday. So to clear the way for Joe Biden to get the nomination. Now, oftentimes candidates will drop out the day after Super Tuesday when the writing is on the wall, when it's apparent how everything is going to shake out. But to pull out of the race the night before the election is unheard of. And it happened because it was Jim Clyburn. And sure enough, he orchestrated the nomination going to Joe Biden. Now, you know what? In the end, it worked out fine. But that doesn't excuse his actions. I'm sorry. I never voted for Jim Clyburn. 
Nobody died and made him dictator of the Democrats. And if we won't stand for a dictator of the Republicans or of the nation as a whole, why would we uh, anoint this man dictator? And now he's sticking his nose into an Ohio congressional race. Marsha Fudge was plucked out of Congress to serve as, I believe, uh, Secretary of Housing and Urban Development by, by Joe Biden. So there's going to be a special election to fill her seat. One of the people running is Nina Turner. Nina Turner, former state senator from Ohio, who had risen about as high as you can go in the state Senate, who was very effective in her job, who then went on to be a very effective surrogate for Bernie Sanders. So she immediately threw her hat into the ring when Marsha Fudge was uh, plucked out of Congress and, and, and sent into the cabinet. She's got two other challengers, one of whom I, I, I don't even know who they are. But one of them, I guess, is like 30 points behind Nina Turner in polling. So Jim Clyburn is working for that candidate. Jim Clyburn is doing everything in his power, plus putting in like a million dollars into the campaign of this candidate who's 30 points down from Nina Turner just to keep Nina Turner from winning that seat. How is this constructive? How is this helpful in any way, shape, or form? How is that okay? How is it okay? I I ask rhetorically because it isn't. It just isn't. And I got to tell you this. um, Jim Clyburn should go home. I am so far from an ageist. That's not me. I don't discriminate against people because of their age. I do discriminate against older people who won't make way for the next generation who's coming up. This is going to be their mess that you left them and you won't make room for them in leadership. This is my problem. One of my myriad of problems with the Democratic Party. I'm, I'm, I'm as far away from Republican as you can get. But the reason I don't embrace the party is because of shit like this. Leadership in the House, Nancy Pelosi, Steny Hoyer, Jim Clyburn, three octogenarians who are in the mindset back in the, what, 70s or 80s? And the change that's happening now is happening because of young people. Who have they embraced? Who have they brought into leadership? Who are they, you know, uh, pushing along? I'm waiting. Crickets. This is not okay. And it's our fault, too, because as, you know, members of the Democratic Party, if we are, if we're voters, Democratic voters, we should have taken a stand. Now, Nancy Pelosi has had a challenger for the last couple of elections, who should have won. He's a better candidate than he than she is. Um, but, you know, uh, the old guard rules. And it's not going to serve the country or the party very well. It, it's just, it's really depressing. Just, just horrible. Um, what else is going on? I've got a few other things. By the way, Wall Street Journal is reporting that the Trump Organization and its chief financial officer, Alan Weisselberg, will be charged tomorrow with tax-related offenses. You know, that's all well and good. But how about um, 
Trump himself. I mean, we know he's broken law after law after law for most of his life. You can't find anything that's going to stick on him. You know, I'd like to see that. Plus, then today, the former failed, twice impeached ex-president is down at the border doing an event with the governor of Texas. States, including my state of Florida, and today South Dakota, are sending National Guard members, troops, to the border to protect the border. I'm sorry, Donald Trump has no authority there. And as far as maybe in Texas, the governor uh, of Texas does, but they don't have power over the rest of the border. We have a federal government. This alone, I think, is some sort of insurrection. We don't have two governments at work at the same time. Um, So I don't know why this is allowed to happen. But it is. They had some event today that they didn't allow the media in. CNN's reporter was turned away, said, no, you can't come in here. See what I mean when I talk about opposite world? Oh, and just, you know, just to show you that it doesn't always work to suck up to the boss or the ex-boss or the former guy. Um, Remember hearing about uh, uh, Texas Land Commissioner George P. Bush? I, I believe he's Jeb's son and his uh, his his um, efforts sucking up to Donald Trump because he wanted to launch a campaign to be attorney general of the state of Texas. And he sucked up to him. He kissed his ass. He, he went to suck the mushroom dick. And you know what Trump did at this border charade today? He um. I'm just going to read to you. Despite Land Commissioner George P. Bush's extensive efforts to suck up to Donald Trump, even featuring a Trump quote mocking Bush's family, Jeb, etc., on his own campaign launch swag, it looks like Trump will endorse Bush's opponent in the Texas Attorney General primary. It's amazing. According to someone on Twitter, Trump turned to Paxton, a person named Paxton, at the border security briefing and said, good luck, Ken. I know you have done, you have a little race coming up. And then he said he'll make his endorsement, quote, in the very near future. And of Paxton, he says, he's done a really good job. And at one point, he jokes with him. He's like, you have a lot of uh, opponents, right? And Paxton says, two. And Trump says, oh, only two, huh? When are people going to learn? This guy is out for nobody but himself. And if you're not aware of that, if you don't know that for certain yet, then I don't know where you are. I I don't, I don't, I don't understand how anybody can think this guy is the way they want to go. So Trump held his first rally, his first post-presidential rally on Saturday in, where was it? Oh, it was some, it was in Ohio, right? It was in some out of the out of the you know out of the mainstream place in 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 Ohio and at one point i got to play this clip for you just you know i'm not going to play a lot of his audio but i have to play this clip to see if you can figure out what the fuck he's talking about we will respect our heroes like george washington and abraham lincoln and thomas jefferson they will not be taken from us no 
America is still the nation that conquered the Wild West, that vanquished the murderous dictators, okay. that ended the evil empires, oh, really? and that sent a brave young man from Ohio to a plant. What kind of plant? Think of it. To a plant? Sent, you know who the man I'm talking about is? No, who and what plant about? are you talking about? You know about? who it is? Who? What? The stars and stripes on the face of the moon. You know who the man is, right? You know? A plant? Huh? And the what? You know? The who? You know who it is. There is no mountain <laughs> we cannot climb. There is no summit we cannot reach. There is nothing huh? that we cannot do. There is absolutely nothing we cannot match. But what about the plant? Was it a fertilizer plant? I, I, this is what I'm confused. So they sent a guy from Ohio to a fertilizer plant. And then there are stars and stripes on the moon. What the fuck is he talking about? Well, apparently he was talking about Neil, Neil Armstrong. We sent a man from Ohio to plant the stars and stripes on the moon. <laughs> a, I guess what he was trying to say. And half of the country is thinking this guy is the second coming. I mean, they did. They, they, they basically said um, they likened, well, he likened himself to Christ first. And then they just kept going with that ridiculous analogy. I, it just, none of it makes sense. And that's why I say today's show is opposite world. But he did that. He did that in that, in that rally. <laughs> He he said, we sent a man from Ohio to a plant. And then there were stars and stripes on the moon. Um, and nobody, did nobody there question him? It's like, what the hell are you talking about? Well, thankful, thankfully, a number of things. Thankfully, um, no real news outlet carried this thing live. Um, I think maybe Newsmax did and probably OAN, but... Even Fox, which by no means is a news channel, they didn't carry it live. Um, but, you know, thanks to the magic of videotape, we see those clips and we get to dissect it and say, what the hell is this man talking about? Also, thankfully, we have great reporters, journalists, authors, professors like Jeff Charlotte, um, who covers these things. Um, so Jeff Charlotte, uh, has been a frequent guest on this program to my delight. Uh, he is a, a journalist. He's an author. He's a professor at Dartmouth who teaches writing. Uh, I love, um, uh, what is it? Narrative journalism? Is that, is that, that the name of one of your courses? It is. That, that's out. That, that, that's perfect for you because that's what you do. You write these stories. You take us into these places where we really feel what's going on. It's more than just your standard, a news article. You you take it to another level. So Jeff Charlotte, you've got this piece in the in the new issue of Vanity Fair, and I thought you had gone to Ohio because I read on Twitter that you were driving across the country. But it turns out that drive was for a larger story you're working on related to this. It is. I was driving across the country talking to self-described patriots. <laughs> Um, and uh, some insurrectionists and supporters of what happened on January 6th about what they see ahead. Um, and everywhere I went uh, across the country, uh, I encountered 
um, this belief in civil war. Um, and I should say right up front, I don't think a civil war is coming. Okay. Um, I think it's worrisome that so many that so many Americans do, and some are even looking forward to it. Uh, so I, I just got home, and I did not want to go back to uh-huh. uh, Wellington, Ohio. So I watched it on Newsmax. Newsmax, who Newsmax, did which proudly touted the rally as a revenge rally. Revenge uh, rally. Okay, because that's so healthy in a democracy. Revenge. Let's get revenge on the people who did him wrong. For instance, like today he's down at the border and he made a point of bringing up George P. Bush's opponent for attorney general of Texas. George P. Bush has famously been bending over backwards to kiss up to Trump to get his endorsement, even dissing his entire family. And and Trump pulls out this other guy and says, I'm going to endorse you over the Bush. That that's revenge in Trump's book, right? That's how he gets revenge on people. You know, I think revenge is actually a, a misnomer. That's what Newsmax is calling it, and okay. that gives you some insight into their worldview. Revenge as a positive, as a positive political motive. Um, but I thought of it more as uh, um, uh, kind of a bend the knee rally, hmm. um, making sure he's holding the the party hostage, or, or even more. Uh, uh, an offer, an offer you can't refuse rally, which is really what it is. At the rally, he, he said, uh, and, and there's been some coverage of this, and he's been sort of alluding to this, but he's making it starker, more plain. He says, you know, there is no 22. There's no voting in 22 or 24 until we settle 20. Oh, God. Um, and, and I think a lot of people might hear that and say, oh, that's great. You know, Republicans stay home in 22. Uh, absolutely, yes. You should not vote, right? Um uh, but the reality is what that's going to do is uh, further realign the party. If you thought it was Trumpy, get ready. Um, it's going to get Trumpier still. Wow. It, it's astounding. And and yet people have no, they, they just refuse to see him for who he is and what he is. You mentioned that you're on with Chris Hayes. You did great, by the way. Why they put you on with Claire McCaskill, I don't know. They should always have you on alone, just my two cents. But then again, nobody asked me at MSNBC. Um, the, the, people are leaving the rally, and it's not unique to this one because he tends to be long-winded. And he, the, the, on Saturday night, he spoke for over 90 minutes, and people left. And you would think they're leaving going, God, enough of that already. But you said that's not it at all. They go walk out thinking he's the great greatest thing since sliced bread. Yeah, I've reported from a lot of rallies and people always leave early. Um, and I always make a point of, of talking to them. Are you disappointed? No, no. It's, a, it's, it's sort of a cognitive dissonance. They're like, that was wonderful. And I'm like, <laughs> but he's still speaking. Uh-huh. And now I'm going. Um, because it's, it's sort of, you know, you, you buy Trumpism uh, by the pound. You're not there for any particular issues. You go in and you store up and you, you, you recharge your body, your batteries of revenge and anger and grievance and hate. Um, and when you're charged, out you go to continue the culture war and you don't feel like you're missing anything. You know, Trump, the reason why it wasn't a revenge rally is because he was it was targeted at an Ohio Republican named Anthony Gonzalez, a member of Congress, who was one of the very few to vote for impeachment. Uh-huh. Uh, it was targeted uh-huh. at him and in support of his those who are primarying him. Uh, you know, uh, reporting has already shown that a lot of people in the audience didn't know who he was. <laughs> they didn't care. Um, uh, they're not there for that. They're not there for the issues. Um they're there for Trump. And you said, you know, why can't they see him for what he is? They do see him for what he is. 
and that's what they want. He said that. He said, he said, I shouldn't say this, but one of the police officers who was escorting them there, he said, one of the police officers uh, broke down in tears because he was so happy to meet me um, because I represent what they want. It, it's rare when Trump tells the truth, so we should always note it. He does represent what they want. Right. You. That's even in the title. I know you probably don't write the headlines on the articles, but it, that's the headline to this piece in Vanity Fair is, I represent what they want. Trump's first post-presidential rally was a dark warning. So what is the warning? What, what, what are we being warned about that we didn't already know? I think the warning really is um, uh, in, the, in the meat of the rally. He, he, he spoke, of, he had something new and something old. Something new was critical race theory, railing against critical race theory. Um, uh, he said in schools, all they're teaching is racism, racism, racism. Um, and uh, he spoke about woke generals, reference to General Milley, who, who spoke in defense of learning about critical uh, right. uh, uh, race theory. And he had something old, which was he leaned in hard, harder than he has in a long time on his anti-immigrant rhetoric and a bloody violent rhetoric. And I don't mean that metaphorically. I mean, he describes bloody violent things. But the real the real substance of it, nah, it's a wrong word, but the meat of this ugly sandwich um, uh, was 2020 um, and making really clear. That's the offer that you can't refuse. He says, if you want my base, I'm going to hold them hostage. Um, and I'm going to go out there and anyone who is not hitting 2020 the way I want them to, I'm going to go out and I'm going to campaign against them. And I'm going to say no voting in 2022 or 24 until unless you are pressing on with 20. And so what he's saying there, too, I mean, there was a it was a warning to to all of us, mm-hmm. but it was a warning maybe first and foremost to uh, ha- uh, House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy who wants to put 2020 behind, you know, that's the official Republican position is we're, well, it's true that the election was stolen, but we're going to move on. Um, And uh, that's not enough for Trump just to say it's true, but we're going to move on. No moving on or Trump will show up in your district and he will uh, uh, rally his troops and they will know his name, you know, not representative Gonzalez is in, in Ohio. Uh, right. That's the warning. Um, and, and I think some people, you know, uh, you, you mentioned Claire McCaskill last night on, on the show. I mean, I think there's centrists who say this is great. You know, let them shrink the party um, and it's all going to be fine. And the reasonable center will hold. Uh, I would argue that the center has already crumbled. There is not a center. right No, now. no. Um, and, and even more purified, more radicalized Trump party, even if it's a little smaller, as January 6th showed us. That's not that's not less dangerous. That's more dangerous. Obviously, right? January 6th is a day that, I mean, I wish we could just take a slice of that day and bring it back and throw it in the middle of the Republicans in Congress and say, do you remember this? You were the one pushing furniture against the door to keep the, the crowd from breaking in and perhaps killing us. Um, and these are the same people who today voted against uh, a select committee to investigate what happened. I played some audio from one of the members from Ohio who said, you know, the reason they, they keep telling us why we voted against it. Well, nobody asked us why we didn't vote, why we voted against it was because I introduced an amendment to bring up the shooting at the softball field. That was an insurrection. 
First of all, no, it wasn't. That was one deranged person who shouldn't have never been able to get near a gun who was about to do something horrible. And thank goodness the Capitol Police were there doing their jobs. This was a matter of a coordinated event meant to stop an election from being certified, meant to overthrow a government by violent mob infiltrating the Capitol. Two wholly different things, are they not? I mean, do they think we're stupid or that that they can just say this stuff and we'll believe it? Or is that because we do? We we tend to just go, okay. Well, I don't know if you and I go, just go, okay, when Republicans. Not you and I. But, uh, um, uh, you know, I I, I think one of the interesting things at the rally, actually, and this is actually the good news, I think this is hurting Trump a little bit. And and traveling across the country, I heard this a lot. he didn't talk about January 6th. He did not talk about uh, Ashley Babbitt, right. the woman who was killed climbing through the window, who's become a sort of a martyr uh, for the right. He didn't talk about the 540-some counting uh, supporters of his who right. are indicted. And um, what, what I found traveling around is that people are noticing that, and they're feeling uh, a little bit betrayed. Uh-huh. Um, uh, I don't think it's hard to understand why he's not talking about it. I mean, probably he, you know, he's a little worried about legal, uh, legal uh, risk. Um, but also, you know, think about it from a Trump perspective. Everything we know about Trump. What happened on January sixth? They tried to stop the election. Did they? No, they lost. Trump doesn't associate himself in his mind with losers, so they're losers. And implicitly, I think some of his followers are hearing that. It's like, wait a minute. When you don't talk about, we, you know, we went to such ends for you, right? Mm-hmm. And some of them are facing prison. One of them died. Um, and, you, and you can't even mention our names. Um, uh, that, that distances them from Trump a little bit. Mm-hmm. But unfortunately, I think it just actually even further radicalizes the movement. Remember, the, the risk is always not this individual Donald Trump. It's just not. Uh, we can call the movement of which he is the avatar Trumpism. Um, and it is it is very tightly uh, tied to him, but it's not exclusively bound to him. Well, there's this other thread that runs through it in your work. Um, you know, you, you have dealt with a lot of uh, topics relating to religion and the perversions in religion, most notably with the family. Um, they look upon him as... Christ-like. I mean, he's even alluded to it that, you know, he's he was divinely appointed or whatever nonsense he's spewing. These people have a religious fervor to to them uh, in in the in terms of their reverence for him. I heard an interview with a woman saying, "Well, of course I support Donald Trump. You know, he's a God-fearing man. He reads the Bible." Yeah. You know, uh, look, I'm probably more religious than Donald Trump, and I'm an atheist Jew. He's the one who said two Corinthians at, at, a, at a Christian so-called university, and he obviously has no clue. He's never opened the book. He even held it upside down when he did his photo op. Why did they buy this stuff? And then you look at Joe Biden, who is a very religious man. He's, a, he's a, uh, an observant Catholic who now... Bishops around this country are saying they're not going to give him, um, I don't even know the terminology, I'm such a not a religious person, but they won't give him communion or whatever, the, the, the wafer. To, what is this about? Because he believes in abortion rights? 
They, they are. That's going to happen. That's that, that was a, a sort of a, a political shot across the bow, but it's not going to happen. I, I would say this, and I think this is actually really important for the left going forward, is to understand. And, and this, I sort of say, maybe my academic background from religious studies background. Uh-huh. Um, you know, to put it in really simple terms, religion is as religion does. Um, <laughs> Trumpism is not a perversion of religion. It is religion. Biden is religious too. One is not more religious than the other. Religion is, there's not a, this is not a right or wrong. There's, there's religion, religious ideas that we like and religious ideas that we don't like. I don't like the ideas of Trumpism, but we will never get anywhere. And in fact, we will confirm again and again and again their feelings if we keep trying to call out the hypocrisy because we're confirming that they're not stupid. They're not stupid. And the left really, really wants to believe that Trump supporters are stupid. They're not. And uh, uh, that may be reassuring for us, um, but they have a religious theology in which Trumpism makes sense, in which for, for some Trump is chosen, for some he's anointed. There's different sort of theological variations. Um, uh, all his bad behavior is just evidence that God is using him. And that's not a perversion of religion. That's the that story is religion. of David. That, that, is a, that is an old biblical story. Um, and uh, you can repurpose it for any leader that you want to support. So when we push back against that, it does us no good to say this is false religion or something like this. I know people want to say it and they say like, that's not the church I grew up in. No, it's not. It's Trump's church. Right. It's a dangerous church. And we need to know what that is. And maybe what, you know, this obviously is going off to left field, but isn't this, you know, maybe this is the time to get behind uh, taking away the tax exempt status of religious organizations in this country who do politicize everything from the pulpit, who have no right to tax all the tax free money they're taking in? Or, or am I off base here? I, whether you're off base or on base, it's not going to happen. Um, <laughs> I mean, not a complete non-starter, um, uh, uh, not going to happen. And I would even argue if it, if you even sort of got anywhere beyond sort of like lefties like us talking about it, it would become mainly an incredibly effective weapon uh, for those churches. You know, to, to, to a lot of these churches, a lot of these pastors, there's a sense in which nothing better has ever happened to them than COVID-19. Getting shut down was the confirmation of all their rapture left behind ideas. And they get to stand in the breach. They get to imagine themselves heroes. So, you know, if, if you want to radicalize them, if you want to goose their most militant followers, um, feed their fantasy of themselves as persecuted. They're not persecuted, but we shouldn't feed it. But it's a non-starter because there's no, you know, it's a little bit like uh, we've talked before about the National Prayer Breakfast. No yes. ever turn it down. No president's ever going to come out and say, uh, appear as if they, they are against prayer. Um, so we have to look elsewhere, I think, in, in terms of uh, resisting these ideas. And, and it seems to me that that therein lies the problem. If we can't talk about what's realistically happening, I mean, there's a video that was circulated a couple of days ago. I don't know if you saw this. I don't even know who this guy is. I just know he's some right-wing pastor who's on television. Uh, let me play a few seconds of it for those who haven't seen it, but realize that this man's church, such as it is, um, is, is exempt from paying taxes because it's a, a, a house of worship. Listen to this. God's about to bring the whole house down, ladies and gentlemen. These bunch of sex trafficking mongrels are about to be exposed. 
these bunch of pedophiles in Hollywood are going to be exposed for who they are. I don't care what you think about fraudulent Sleepy Joe. He's a sex trafficking, demon-possessed mongrel. He's of the left. He ain't no better than the Pope and Oprah Winfrey and Tom Hanks and the rest of that wicked... Okay, that that's about all I can take of that. But how is... I mean, how does that stuff... How does that allow to go on in the name of religious freedom and, and their tax-exempt? I, Nicole, we, we may we may have different views on this. I would defend that. Absolutely. Really? really? Yeah, I'm not going to go in and tell you what you can and can't right. preach. Oh, I, I agree. No, he can be he can say that. He's got every right to say it. But to not have to pay taxes, to be tax exempt because he's a church? If 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 there's going to be an exemption, a tax exemption for churches, and in the United States there is, and that includes for the great progressive churches that we love, many of which would go, would fold. Uh, many of which are right. many of the progressive churches, in fact, are sitting on very valuable real estate from mm. when they were when they had more funds. Right. So if you start taxing those churches, you will be shutting down uh, countless progressive churches, countless African-American churches. Mm. Um, you will be shutting those down if you get in the business of saying this one, not that one. Right. Uh, well, but yeah, that, that? That that's not religious freedom. We've got First Amendment. Let's stick with it. First Amendment works for us. Let's let's uh, instead of trying to uh, uh, crush it, let's let's offer uh, uh, the better ideas. That you know the answer, the answer to that Trump rally in Ohio, um, and and ugliness with it. Um, uh, ultimately, it's satisfying. And you know Marjorie Taylor Greene spoke, and Jim Jordan spoke, and, and we pass around memes that are funny. And I'm all for it. It's you know keep yourself sane, right? Right. Um, uh, but that's not how you fight it. Uh, you fight it by building a vibrant uh, democratic culture. Anti-fascism is fine, uh, but anti-fascism completes the sentence that begins with fascism. Let's write a sentence that doesn't have the word fascist in it. That would be nice. Um, but now we're told if you're anti-fascist that you're a terrorist. If I, I'm anti-fascist, um, but so were the soldiers who went to fight World War II. The, the way things are twisted, and the, the theme that I took for today's show is one that I go back to all the time of opposite world in is out up is down. Nothing makes sense. Look, I'm an ordained minister of the church of the flying spaghetti monster. I paid 20 bucks. I'm an ordained minister. Maybe I should open my own little church and claim a tax exemption because if he can do it, why can't I? And maybe that's the way around it. We all claim tax exemptions and then eventually they're going to have to say, well, this is no good. I know I'm stuck on this, Jeff, and I shouldn't be. Um, it's, it's also politically, it's a non-starter. Uh, it's not, I mean, can you, the, the politician that seriously pursued, pursued that uh, would would lose in the biggest landslide. Right, which is, again, look, opposite You have world. to remember, most churches, most houses of worship are not like that jackass you just showed. I've heard that kind of preaching, and that preaching is out there. Um, he's not exceptional. Um, uh, but it's also not every day. This is not what the church or the synagogue or the mosque on your corner is doing. Right. right. I, I don't think churches should be tax exempt, but to come at that, you know, to use these, these guys, um, to sort of undermine, uh, what in many communities is unfortunately standing in the place, especially in poor communities. Damn, God, I can't believe I'm making this argument. Um, <laughs> in the place of the social services that have been gutted by decades of neoliberalism, yeah. um, that's not the way it should be. 
but we don't sort of pull that rug out right uh because we can't stand that guy right um, no i we, hear you and down here at, at least in my community during covid and continuing to this day um the food distribution for people who are hungry is coming from at least in Coral Springs, Florida, the uh, the the Chabad, the 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 Orthodox Jewish temple where the Hasidim, that they're the ones giving out the food. As problematic as the preacher we just saw. If we want mm-hmm. to dig into that's news, right, too. I know. Um, so th- th- again, I just come back to uh, let us not limit ourselves to anti-fascism, but to the creation of the vibrant democratic culture, which is the only real response to it. Let us build something so that we're not leaning on. Chabad and uh, churches, whether they're right or left, to provide social service, but we are providing, and I'll borrow a term from anarchism, we're providing mutual aid for ourselves through the system that we have of governance, because that's the story that Trump is trying to distract at from his rally. There was no discussion of policy in any, we know this, there's never any never, discussion. Never, right, never. He, he never wants has discussed to look policy. at policy. He can't win that argument. Mm-hmm. So he moves, he moves the fight. Well, let's take it back. Instead of meeting him over there in the mud, and I'm not saying like, you know, go up, they go low, we go high. I'm saying, <laughs> let's build, let's build. But are we building? Okay, so Joe Biden is trying to do the right things. I, I, I'm a, you know, a, I'm a supporter of Bernie Sanders. I like these big programs, social programs designed to help us, the people who most need help. And again, the right are doing everything they can to shut it all down, to make sure none of it passes. We're looking at police reform. We're looking at infrastructure. We're looking at better health care. It looks like none of that may go through because of their obstructionist ways. So how can we build it if they won't come? Uh, I, well, I'm not an advocate for bipartisanship. I'm, <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not worried about getting those Republican votes. And mm-hmm. like you, I would probably be fine with, uh, let's do it with Democratic votes right. alone. Um, and let's strengthen those progressive uh, folks out there, and then let's challenge them and move them. Uh, I don't even like these terms. I mean, I'm a lefty, but I don't like. Let's move them toward humanness, right? Yeah, uh, that's that's what we're working toward. Um, you know, again, you, you sort of contrast it. Like the the, the Trump rally is a, a, literally a dehumanizing event. He spoke, for instance, he's trying to speak of undocumented people. So what, how does he illustrate that? He tells a story of a, um, the a snake, undocumented that, man. Well, oh. he, he has a poem with the snake, but he also has a man. And I'm going to quote, it's, it's disgusting. He says, he says, hacking to death a, uh, a woman and her 15-year-old sister into very, very small pieces with a machete. Oh, right? my God. That's the image he's putting in his follower's mind. Um, that's a dehumanizing image. Um uh, so I don't want to, I, I, I want to respond to that by telling, you know, we have to move back and forth. We have to pay attention to this. And I can't believe the pushback I'm getting on this Vanity Fair piece from people saying Trump's gone. Um, you should not be reporting on him. You're giving him air. Oh my God. And, and, and do you think, I mean, look, he didn't get as many votes as Biden, but he got a lot of votes. More than any, or, anybody else yeah. in history, except for Biden. Yes. Yes. Right. And we have to keep paying attention. Um, uh, but at the same time, we have to be sort of looking, we have to look over there, keep our eye on, on, on Trump, um, even as we are trying to, to tell these more human stories. Now, yeah, look, more power to Biden when he does that and builds that, those programs. But of course, we can organize in our communities and we can organize uh, uh, locally and we can build the infrastructure um, that puts the pressure uh, on those with more power. 
And I hope we do. I mean, that that's the scary part because I am paying attention as much as I'd like not to. I mean, I don't air his comments except for the stupid thing about planting, going to the, the man from Ohio going to a plant because I just can't believe just how out of touch with reality he is and and people still worship him that is that that's the phenomena that's happened around him makes it harder for the democrats to fight back against it because frankly we don't have anybody who's this christ-like or anti-christ-like figure nor do we want one yeah, Fannie Lou Hamer said strong people don't need strong leaders. Um, but, you know, the one thing I, I think, like, when, when we talk about organizing locally, he did talk a lot about critical race theory. That is their organizing principle right now. Um, and we know that there's 165 organizations and bigger think tanks behind them. is huge funding, getting involved. Check out your local school board all across the country. People who don't even have kids and, and that school district are coming in and going to school board meetings. Oh, they show up. They show up. And what happens when you show up? A lot of times you win. This is I I live in a very liberal area. My school district, very liberal Hanover, New Hampshire. We've got to fight over critical race theory. So I've got to start going to school board meetings. Oh, my listeners out there. That's where you can get involved. That's going to be more powerful than your anti Marjorie Marjorie Taylor Greene meme is is to say if there's someone who is trying to uh, hide history. Uh, a race, the history of racism in my school district, and there probably is mm-hmm. wherever you are, um, show up and contend, uh, contend right there where you are. Right. I, and th- this fits in with the opposite world theme as well. The fact that they're arguing about critical race theory, which is not being taught in any uh, elementary or primary school anywhere. I believe that's like university level stuff that you have to be yeah, studying. Right? We, we, no, we lost that argument. We lost. We lost that argument. No, it's not. Critical race theory, the academic <laughs> right. theory, is not being taught in elementary no. school no. or high school. But so they already have that narrative lost, going. They own the language. What they mean and what they made very clear is there will be no discussion of the history of uh, systemic racism. There'll be no, we're going to limit, teachers are afraid to even talk about the real causes of civil war and slavery and so on. So we can, we can again, I don't want to go and just sort of say, well, they're not, there's not even any critical race theory. What they're trying to do, and it's very, Timothy Snyder, by the way, I mean, I should be plugging my own article, but yes. Timothy Snyder has a, a powerful piece in the New York Times Magazine, he's a great historian of fascism in Europe, and forgetting history and looking at memory laws and what memory laws uh, their memory laws were, you know, a, a, a basic fascist tool. It's a tool Putin uses and so on to try and erase the memory that doesn't serve nationalism. That's what we have. And these anti-critical race theory laws and also in the struggles, even there may not be law in your state, but there are struggles in the local school boards. Um, the goal is not to ban critical race theory. Let's not get caught up on that. Right. The goal is uh, to erase talking about race at all um and uh so we got to go in there and say and 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 and, t- and speak it loud and speak this right. history, history. And it's american history that's what you need to teach are the facts and that's the problem because they don't un- they they will not commit to the facts they will not you know they they won't won't start with the basic premise that this is history this is what happened they want to erase all that and that's really dangerous again it goes to opposite world it's frightening this is such a bigger discussion 
it's you're right. It's not just Trump. It's it's the gaslighting of America, frankly. And they're trying to say that what happened, the birth of this nation is not what happened. Oh, my goodness. It is a, a it's scary. It's a scary prospect. And Jeff Charlotte, I'm so glad you're covering it. So you've got another piece coming soon. That's the larger piece for which you it's, drove across the country. So it's a little longer in the works. That'll probably be out in the fall. Yeah. OK, in the fall. Well, we'll look forward to that. And we'll look forward to seeing you at Vanity Fair and wherever, whatever books you may come out with in the meantime. Jeff Charlotte, it's always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you so much for being here today. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Uh, and with that, we're just about done for the day. Uh, Jeff Charlotte really is good. I'm afraid I didn't give him the interview that he wanted or expected today. But, you know, it is what it is. I'll tell you that. I do worry about Trump's God uh what's the word i'm looking for his his um god obsession that that he you know here's the problem with a habitual liar with a with a prolific liar is they often believe their own lies and you know the the line that trump was you know divinely appointed um should scare everyone now randy rainbow had a new song out last week that i didn't play the video because uh, well, it was a commercial for a Barbra Streisand album. But I'm going to go back to what I think might be my favorite Randy Rainbow video um, because it speaks to this. And um, again, uh, um, parody is, is a great form of disseminating information. So with that, I give you Randy Rainbow. <laughs> and I'll see you tomorrow. Thanks for listening, everyone. By the way, Supreme Court decisions coming down at 10 a.m. tomorrow. They are going to be voting rights and dark money. Lisa Graves will be here to help us figure out what just happened after the uh, decisions come down. And then Howie Klein will be here because it's a Thursday. All right. Okay. So today I'm going to leave you with Randy Rainbow. And, um, I, again, look at the bigger picture rather than just the funny words he's singing. Thanks for listening, everyone. Bye-bye. Well, it is a special day indeed, as I am joined now by the divine Miss T, our Lord and Savior, King of the Jews. Uh, am I leaving anything out? Brilliant, great. Don't push it. Donald Trump, you have had a busy few days. Uh, G7 meetings, ongoing trade wars with China, Bedbugs. Fake news. Let's see. You also sent out a controversial tweet saying that you are the king of Israel and uh, told a group of reporters that you are the chosen one. How you doing? You okay? <laughs> the news about me is largely phony. Mr. Not My President, you're acting quite bizarre. Ruling like a loon behind your Twitter avatar. Of all your recent antics, this latest one's a pearl. Now it seems you think you're God. Okay, whatever, girl. Your crazy's on full display. Wish you'd just go away. Take a vacay, hun. I hear that Greenland's nice this time of year. Dreaming of walls while the stock market falls. And now you're shaming the Jews. You 
say you're the chosen one and I know what you mean. Chosen by the Russian Kremlin in 2016. When will this maniacal messiah complex pass? I hereby order you to get your head out of your ass and just keep selling us lies and attacking allies. Go on, you king of fake news. It's fake news. It's disgusting fake news. Uh, I read a front page story in the Washington Post. You're making no sense, bitch. Why are you still talking? It's making me nauseous. Everything you say is bullshit. Yes, everything's lies. I don't think anybody's done more than me. Close your mouth, close your mouth, and delete all your socials tonight. The president has said he is the king of the Jews. The second coming of God. The chosen one. He's not really interested in helping mankind. When it comes to Bible study, he's way behind. He can't walk on water or give sight to the blind. But he can change a falsehood to a fact with his mind. When they crucify him in the news, he starts tripping. And he kinda speaks in tongues when his dentures start slipping. Cheeto Christ, Cheeto Christ. He's like if Jesus were pumpkin spice. Cheeto Christ, stupid czar. That tangerine colored commissar. Wow, he prefers profanity to biblical psalms. But he can stop a hurricane with nuclear bombs. Ooh. He's praised by his disciples, though they've all been misled. Somehow he brought Mitch McConnell back from the dead Ew. He golfs on Sunday, so at church he's not in attendance And he makes 25 seem like the Christmas of amendments He calls himself the second coming, I would've done But according to these porn stars, he could not even come once Don't you get it wrong? Don't you get it wrong? Don't you get it wrong? Give him what he wants now Don't get it wrong Cheeto Christ, Cheeto Christ I think I'm doing a great job. Don't you get it wrong? Don't you get it wrong? Let me hear you sing now. Don't get it wrong. Who in the hell do you think you are? God. Clearly. It's time for Nicole Sandler's What's News from NicoleSandler.com and the Progressive Voices Network. It's been almost a week since the Champlain Towers condo in Surfside, Florida collapsed. Twelve people have been confirmed dead. 149 are still unaccounted for. And lawsuits are starting. Another has been filed against the Condominium Association on behalf of a group of residents claiming that they failed to maintain the building in a safe condition. In fact, the president of the Homeowners Association last week warned residents that structural damage to the tower's base was accelerating and that the problems would begin to multiply exponentially without expensive repairs. The assessment on the 40-year-old building is more than, was more than $15 million. The association president writing that the concrete support system under the building was cracking, which means, quote, the rebar holding it together is rusting and deteriorating beneath the surface. 
On Wednesday morning came the sad news that the 12th person found dead in the rubble of the building is the mother of the police chief of neighboring North Bay Village. With the 4th of July just days away, it's apparent that the U.S. will miss that White House target to get 70% of the American adult population at least partially vaccinated. 16 states have reached the goal. Four states have recorded less than half of adults with at least one dose. About 847,000 vaccine doses are being administered each day. Meanwhile, the Delta variant now accounts for 26% of coronavirus cases around the country. Dr. Anthony Fauci now warning there could soon be, quote, two Americas, one where most people are vaccinated and another where low vaccination rates could lead to more spikes in cases. Well, the Senate is already out for their 4th of July recess. The House still in D.C. working, but apparently hitting lots of obstruction. Case in point, the policing law overhaul appears to be in jeopardy as lawmakers and law enforcement groups remain divided on the main sticking point of qualified immunity. Those are protections given to police officers in civil cases. And some law enforcement groups have come out and said they'd be resistant to any major changes. After missing two deadlines already, congressional lawmakers say they need to make a decision by August as to whether they can agree on a bill or drop the prospect entirely. The House on Tuesday passed a bill to remove Confederate statues from the Capitol. The legislation also calls for relocating a bust of the Supreme Court Chief Justice who wrote the 1857 Dred Scott decision that denied enslaved people the right to become citizens. Every Democrat and 67 Republicans supported the measure in the 285 to 120 vote. Now to pass in the Senate, the bill needs the support of every Democrat plus 10 Republicans because they abuse the filibuster. States pick the statues to display in the Capitol, but this bill would make them replace statues honoring people who fought or served in governments that rebelled against the United States. Fox, not news, has agreed to pay $1 million, the highest fine in the history of New York City's Commission on Human Rights, for repeated violations of its employees' rights. All this the result of an investigation it had initiated on its own into a series of, quote, high-profile reports alleging a culture of pervasive sexual harassment and retaliation at the network. So this settlement represents the first of its kind against a major so-called news network by a civil rights enforcement agency in the country. The Daily Beast noting that the network has, quote, effectively admitted to ongoing misconduct that includes sexual harassment, discrimination, and retaliation against victimized employees. In addition to the fines, Fox has reportedly agreed to make changes to its practices, perhaps most importantly, including no more mandatory confidential arbitration for complaints. Well, if you're waiting on more results from New York City's mayoral primary, you're going to be waiting a little longer. New York's Board of Elections stepped in it big time. On Monday night, they released updated numbers from the newly retabulated ballots in their first race using ranked choice voting. It showed a big swing in the standings. But shortly after, the new numbers were taken down. And the Board of Elections issued a statement explaining that they screwed up royally. Basically, they counted 135,000 test ballots together with the real ballots, causing this huge discrepancy. 
They say they've now removed all of the test ballots and will regenerate and retabulate the votes. Oh, yeah. So on Wednesday, the House of Representatives will vote on the creation of the January 6th Select Committee. Republicans have vowed to oppose the committee, and Speaker Pelosi has invited representatives of the D.C. Metro Police Department and the U.S. Capitol Police to sit in the House gallery and watch as the vote unfolds. That should be interesting. More than 230 deaths have now been reported in British Columbia since Friday amid the historic heat wave gripping the Pacific Northwest. That's a huge increase over a typical four-day period. Authorities are now working to figure out how many of those deaths are heat-related. In the U.S. Northwest, at least 60 deaths have been reported. Emergency room visits are also up. In Washington State, at least 676 people visited emergency rooms for heat-related symptoms between Friday and Sunday. And that was before the heat hit its peak. A major concern at this time is how unprepared people in the region are for extreme heat. Seattle and Portland rank first and third respectively among cities in the U.S. with the highest proportion of households without air conditioning. And that's just a bit of what's news for now. I'm Nicole Sandler. If you appreciate these reports and the Nicole Sandler Show, I hope you'll consider making a contribution. My work is 100% listener supported, and I can't do it without your help. Find out more at NicoleSandler.com, and please click on that donate button.